0: Do you ever wish you had a friend on speed dial that just happens to be one of the world's best interior designers, or someone you could DM all your burning design dilemmas to? At The Expert, we set out to give you one-on-one access to the industry's biggest talents and brands, and now we're pulling back the drapes. Welcome to The Expert podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arnold, interior designer and co-founder of The Expert. This season, I'll be talking with designers and founders behind some of the most exciting interiors and brands to give you an all-access look at an industry that's been closely guarded for decades, but not anymore. Each episode, will be unpacking all things design from nailing down the best vintage, avoiding costly mistakes, and creating a home that feels comfortable and timeless. So sit back and tune in you're going to want to take some notes. This is the Expert Podcast. Byron and Dexter Parr are changing the way that we think about design. After more than a decade in fashion, the Montreal-based brothers started Goody, a curated marketplace rooted in the principles of good design, good people, and good impact. The platform brings together artisans from all over the world, producing timeless, everyday objects that make a difference in the way that we shop and live. On this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Jessica Ron Perez, VP of Partnerships at The Expert, to chat with Byron and Dexter about the benefits of purposeful commerce, how to think differently about how we source products, and how to live a more sustainable everyday life. We'll dig into their thoughts on fast fashion and fast design and the process of renovating and collecting special pieces for their own homes. Let's get into it.
1: Byron and Dexter, we are so excited to have you here. Jake and I are huge admirers of Goody, not just for the incredible curation of product and everything you guys have, but also really what it stands for. And I think we want to dig in on how to break through when it comes to sourcing and design, and then really creating Goody as a mission-driven marketplace. We're so honored to have you guys here, but also so honored to have you as amazing partners in The Expert. I think there's just so much synergy in terms of like thinking about how to do things differently and how to create a brand that feels new and different
0: a second jess i just love what you do like the nature of traveling and the sourcing and bringing things together especially because you guys have a fashion background and how you've been the anti-fast fashion and to see it manifested into home so i'd love to hear what inspired you to start Goody, and when it comes to the full ecosystem what that looks like
2: Wow. Thanks, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think from the very beginning, even with Goody, we knew that it was bigger than just us, that you couldn't have a conversation about design. You couldn't have a conversation about sustainability in the singular, that it took a lot of people to be at the table. And so that was the impetus for how and why we wanted to build this in our travels we were going around the world, we were seeing these amazing stories and these great people that were making impact in everything they were doing, makers, artisans, artists, creators. And in a lot of cases, it just felt like there wasn't necessarily a platform where they could come together, just like a community of pure-minded thinkers who look at design in a way that felt authentic and felt real, but also felt futuristic. I think when Bar and I think about design We really wanna push the idea of where does this go, not where has it been. And we've been inspired by so many people in small towns, villages, big cities, Tokyo, London, New York, but also Guadalajara, where you see like really great artistry and really great design. And we're like, what if we could build a place where somebody could see all of that in one place and it didn't matter where you were from, you can go to one location and you're gonna see great design from around the world. And then I think that idea of Goody was that in those imperfections, it was about what if you dug deep to try to understand what good design look like? What does good impact look like? And then tell the story of really good people. And we wanted it to feel light instead of feeling heavy. I think a lot of these conversations, they end up feeling pious or this is a brand telling you what to do. I think for us, it was very important from the very beginning to be arbiters of taste that comes from our background and our experience and our travels but to really just put together a collection of ideas that felt different than what everyone else was doing. And I think that's what makes it feel fresh. I think it makes it feel relevant.
0: What's so interesting about some of the pieces that I've looked at on your site is the sourcing. I'm curious to know how much you intentionally travel to source or if it's just a byproduct of being around the world.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. It used to be that it was essential to us, to both Dexter and me. Our background, you mentioned earlier, Jess, our background in fashion. It had us regularly at design shows, fashion weeks around the world, traveling to new, unforeseen places and discovering things all the time. And the irony is that when we launched Goody, we foresaw that that was going to be how we were going to build our sourcing um, platform When the pandemic hit, it did change and it shifted our reality on some things. And we were a small team at the time. I mean, we're still small, we're only 10. But we were four people and it was no longer a question of, could we get on a plane and go visit these makers and go see the artisans working together on collaborative products? We had to figure out how to do it digitally. We were responsive. In some ways, it's very much characterized how we do our business today. One of the most exciting pieces and one of our partners in in Ghana and West Africa was he was really excited because he was also able to bring everyone together. It was around 60 artisans that were together sharing a screen and then we had our our whole team and it was just, so much more dynamic than just when Dexter and I get to go there, because sometimes it would be the two of us or us with a buyer or a product developer. And it was it's usually one on one. And then this created it really widened the table of, of, all, of all the people that were contributing to it. So we're lo- working that way. It's I, I'd love to tell you that it's one way. In in some ways, it's us discovering them on our own. A lot of times because of what we have built and my fans like you guys are of what we've done. There's a lot of brands or makers who come to us and then they want to present or propose their products to be on the platform. It's also exciting that some of our partners, we work with about 50 makers around the world, they recommend other makers to us. They're like, you guys need to know about this awesome artisan that's from this small town that's near us. And then we discover them. And then still traditional ways. I still read magazines and sometimes I'll read an article and and then I just send it to our buying team and check this out. Let's take a closer look. Multitude of ways. Discovery is the easy part building the relationship and figuring out how to bring their products and their stories to market is a whole other, of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. other board yeah. game.
0: And then also making sure that everyone has the right criteria to align with your guys' mission too, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly.
3: And you we were saying where did Goody come from? Um, we had written down on a whiteboard, good design, good people, good people doing good design. And then afterwards, then we started writing and writing, and then Dexter goes, it's good impact. And then we're like, good people, good design, good impact. And that is our, I don't want to say tagline, but it is our boundaries and our barriers for all the selection. Everybody and every partner, every story that we tell has to, in some equal measure, speak about good people, deliver good design and good design that's functional design that's built to last and really show impact. And there's a lot of conversations of sustainability. A lot of times they're just words. And what we do is we wanna really show that this is adding value and benefit to communities or the environment. So yeah, that's our our mission. Let's build a place where people could find really great products that are serving the planet.
1: I can see it just knowing the product really well. Were you really inspired by your time in Japan? Obviously you have so many incredible Japanese brands and artisans, but just the the lifestyle, spending so much time there with your previous business.
2: Yes, 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 and more yes. I don't think it feels like completely directionally Japanese in its aesthetic, but it definitely does in its philosophy. Byron and I, many years ago, brought in a variety of Scandinavian brands into North America. We've also worked with Japanese brands over the years. So there's no doubt that there's a natural affinity to to more pure ideas of what design should be about, building on these concepts of less but better and building on concepts of things that are built to last. And I think probably more than anything else, It's the specificity, it's the thinking that goes into the process that remind Baren and me how important it is every single day and to encourage that in our team, that part of that process is just the diligence and the rigor around Mm. thinking about design and not looking at it as a sort of superficial activity, but really digging deep down into it. And I just came back from Tokyo with the family just about three months ago. And I'm just reminded at every single level, it doesn't matter what is made. It doesn't matter if it's a teacup. It doesn't matter if it's a pair of scissors. It doesn't matter if it's a piece of paper, a hamburger. It's just, there's so much thoughtfulness. And that's one of the things that is what my love affair with design is all about. But I think it's lost a lot of time in how people see design and if Mm -hmm. people see design as a real thoughtful sort of enterprise. And if as designers, we put it upon ourselves, I think it will push the whole conversation forward. And I think it will bring more people into it as well. We talk internally about these tools for living. It's actually, there was a book that we found in Tokyo many years ago. When you think about helping people with tools to help them live their lives, it's such a powerful concept, mm-hmm. and we just try to bring that in to our day-to-day thinking. And I think that's partly Japanese, but I think those things are represented in cultures and design communities around the world. So there's, they're almost basic, but it's just about putting that back to the center of the mm-hmm. thought process.
0: I really love that sentiment because I always struggle between people looking at design, almost like you're talking about from status to sustainability, where it's it's not about what does it look like, but I love that you're trying to help people truly live the best version of their life. And I don't know if you guys have heard of this philosophy, Kaizen, the Japanese term for change through continuous improvement. I just think to your point as human beings if you go to the core of what we're all about our whole environment is design driven so everything and interact with is what's determining people's experiences and i think what you guys are doing is so different because it's not even about the pieces that you're selling but this mindset and a mind shift away from buying things to to have some type of version of yourself through the things that you own and actually how these things support that way of living. Just on
3: that note, you had brought up our fashion background and we have a a love-hate relationship with fashion. It's a big thing to say, but this is where we grew up in it. We, We earned our stripes over 30 years, building brands, building our own brand but being in an environment that needed that constant change. And it wasn't the betterment where you were on the Kaizen Jake, which is like improvement. It was Mm. delete, restart, and then that's just the modus operandi. And I think that Dexter and I found in the home space, we used to speak all the time about an Eames chair is still the same chair. Maybe it finds new ways to reinvent itself, but it's not every season that it's thrown away. So we think a lot about the home space being hopefully a more pure and more authentic space for us to have this conversation, things that are meant to last and and that could be improved upon, as opposed to being like that throwaway culture that unfortunately is permeated too far in the fashion business.
1: Are you ready to design the home of your dreams, but just need a little help getting there? Whether you need personalized advice from a top interior designer, or just want to shop a curated selection of furniture and decor, we've created the online destination for the best in home. Browse our roster of experts to consult on your next home project and get all of your design questions answered. From space planning and furniture selection, to construction and remodel ideas, designers like Leanne Ford and Amber Lewis are just a video call away. Discover and shop for the best new and vintage furniture, rugs, lighting, and decor, knowing that every single product was handpicked by the world's top designers. Pairing the chicest fabrics with the most comfortable and fail-proof pieces, you can shop with total confidence. Enjoy 10% off your first e-commerce purchase with code podcast10 at checkout at theexpert.com. Certain exclusions apply. If you're obsessed with design like us, you'll love The Expert.
0: I just love that how you guys approach designing spaces and how you bring in vintage pieces Mm -hmm. and the idea of design that almost stands the test of time. What are some of the tips and things that you guys have done in your own spaces through like recovering amazing pieces that you've collected over time or like changed a lampshade or painted a piece of furniture? I'm so curious how in your own homes have kept and collected things over the years and how you've evolved with those pieces. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a
2: great question, Jake. I think we're all in that moment right now. I'm with my family at Habitat 67 in Montreal. It's a pretty famous for what it has become in Canada as a really important residential building that defined a period of the 1960s when it was built, but still... Today, some 55 years later, it continues to evolve when we were just talking about Kaizen. After 17 years, there is this need over time for that space to work in a different way. Right now, it's very funny. I'll say anecdotally, we bought a couch, which would have been very expensive at the time, from a Swedish um, brand called David Design. And this couch was like the purchase that we made that was outside of our budget. But it was this really perfect sectional couch that I thought was gonna last the test of time because it has this almost very vintage, hard almost brutalist um, interpretation that fits really well with the brutalist design of Habitat. And I can say that just yesterday, before recovering it myself, I reached out to info at, at daviddesign.se and I was like, listen, 17 years later, I don't want to get rid of this. I want to try to bring it back to its original status. And then she just wrote back to me, we're going to go look into all of our different fabrics and we're going to start there. And so before going outside, I'm like, let me go back to this very small, very obscure company. This, the couch itself was designed by place and Rune, really great and Swedish designers. And I, I still, 17 years later, want to bring it back to its original intention because it has worked for so long inside the space before even thinking about the other optionality of recovering it myself and doing all these other things so i'm very early in the process of almost like a due diligence of let me first think about this in its original form and then and only then will i see if i want to reinterpret it in a way that might work for now and i think that's really says something to the fact that it has worked so well for us for 17 years that the fabric, which was a cabinet fabric anyways, has lasted as long as it had. And I was like, yeah, let's start with that. And that's our design philosophy. I remember when my wife and I bought um, our place at Habitat, we did no renovation whatsoever for the first year and a half. I was like, we're living in design already. Let me understand how this place was supposed to work for us and then we can play with that and i think that's one of the one of the things that i would always say is on uh, my advice is live a space first or live a product first mm. and then you can decide how does that fit <clears throat> into your language your universe and how you want to live your day to day
0: i love that it's almost like reverence for design in a way yeah. like wherever you're living especially if it has some version of architectural significance or history is really considering what that space was originally meant for how do you evolve with it and then how do you take the good and then evolve over time versus just immediately jumping to redo something when you haven't actually lived and seen how something functions and i'm also from that background in england where you don't just tear things down it's not done and so i love that for you and your personal life you already practice what you're sharing with us so i love that you've also designed hotels So I wanted to know if you were going to do any more for everyone who is now going to fall in love with all your pieces and want to stay in one of your incredible spaces. It was actually quite exciting.
3: And I think that's how serendipity things happen in life. There's a hotelier who has a group of hotels in Belize, who's a fan of what we're doing, actually spent a, a big follower of our retail shops. And then when we exited our last business, he reached out to us and said, "Would you guys ever consider designing a hotel? I love your aesthetic. I love the way every time I walked into the space, I felt like I was at home." And then I think this is one of those moments when something comes into your life. You're like, "Yeah, we could do that." <laughs> but it was a thirty casita hotel on the second largest barrier reef in Belize, and every idea that we thought we w- was going to be easy was absolutely not. But we had the time, we had the will, the curiosity to try to do that. And, and Byron's forgetting to mention
2: that it was December in Montreal and we had an offer to design
3: a hotel in Belize that so. we could spend the next six months free to at Belize. And it was exciting because I think that, again, and we had touched on this before the call, sometimes opportunities come up and I think as individuals we're either, our fear or something prevents us from taking them on. As twins, we we empower each other and then we're like, yeah, we could do this and not only could we do it, we, we did it, I think, quite successfully and it's been, a, it's been a success for the hotel as well too. Our approach was I had actually been to Belize before. I had never been. So we said, how are we going to bring this true Belizean culture, but also a culture of Central and South America into the space? We wanted people to come there and discover, not only when they were in the rooms, but at every different area, every touch point from the restaurant to the bar, to have this connection with crafts and makers. It was before Goody, So in some ways, it was a bit of a pilot, I'd say, in in, in thinking, because we wanted to put to practice. Could we not only source these products, but will these be products that would work in a high-traffic space as well? So it was exciting. Now, obviously, our focus has been on, on Goody, but there are some really exciting opportunities that that come our way. As long as they're consistent with the mission and our goal of really putting makers, craft preservation front and center, and it, it feeds, it adds value to Goody and Goody's mission, then yeah, we're totally open to d- different opportunities.
0: What's your touch point when those opportunities come up when something might present itself as a really good business opportunity which i think can happen a lot in the design world and obviously you have your set of ethics and philosophy and so when you're presented with something that's a huge business opportunity how do you approach that type of scenario when that comes up
2: we got excited about working with partners that can extend the conversation that can bring Mm. new visitors, new guests to this conversation that we're having that's light, but also important. And we think about it that way, are these partnerships creating value for Goody, but are they also creating value for the customer? And when the customer sees all the hard work that Goody's put into their efforts, does that partnership make sense? Case in point, when the Whitney Museum in New York reached out to us and they were like, let's do something together, That was super cool. And they were doing a major exhibition on the art of craft. And that was exactly the conversations that we were having Mm. internally. And so Mm. that was really exciting because it's like, we're already having this conversation and now we can have that conversation with the Whitney and all of the patrons and, and the visitors from all around the world that are going to come into the Whitney, that feels exciting. And back to that point, we're in the human business. We're talking about these products and stories that that have a tactile element to them. And we're excited to say that we'll be coming to LA with a physical experience for four months where we've been able to really design and create an environment that feels very goody, that feels not just on brand, but in many ways, a thank you to our California customers who have been with us the whole time and gives them a chance to be able to connect and meet with us at the same time too.
1: One of the things I do want to just shine a light on for a moment is Want had the most amazing retail spaces. You guys were on many mood boards. You just always had such an incredible way of creating these really exciting spaces whether it's like a garden shed or just really special. So it's cool to think about what goodie would be manifested in a physical space. So cannot wait to see that. This one is
3: a 500 square foot space. <laughs> it's hyper-focused. And Dexter was just talking about the timing. It's the holidays and, and went back to the question around the mission. I, I feel like our goal is to constantly make people think more about anything that they want to purchase. And in the, the holidays, it's I think we all get that rush, of, oh my God, I have to buy all these gifts. And so that whole concept is around gifts that matter. We're, we're doing a, a a holiday gift shop, then every single product in there, we just want to be able for the person who's coming in to reinforce the story, the messaging, the value of that product. So then when they're giving a gift, that gift actually has, has meaning. And we think that in the three to four months that we'll be there, then then we'll, we'll meet our goal of, of that behavior change.
1: (laughs) One thing I want to talk about is just like the categories that you guys do so well, but I think design like fashion, it's about buying things. But what you guys are doing is let's not just have design for the sake of consumerism. Let's purchase things that I need to live with, whether it's a toothbrush or a dustpan or, as you said, tools for living. But being more intentional about those objects so that they last and, and they're special. I think that really resonates with me. What categories are you specifically excited about that you guys are working on or sourcing for? For sure. I, I love
3: that you that you picked up on the products. They, I'm going to give a small little note internal. I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but we realized through some data and, and, and just seeing our, our business after three or four years that the products that do really well are hyper-functional, but they're also in presentation adjust. So brooms, a surprise, someone asked me, we one of the fastest growing areas of our business, brooms and watering cans. And these are not brooms that are tucked away in the back of a broom closet. They're actually on display in people's homes. And we really believe a lot in ritual. Maybe I'm, I don't want to sound like too heady, but these moments when you're in your garden and watering or when you're sweeping in your home or when you're cleaning a, a desk area those moments are, are peaceful they're slow moments there could be pensive moments either either moments that you're doing on your own or their moments together with loved ones and we're thinking about what are the products in those moments that add value to your life on a regular basis so if there's the beauty side it's out it's on presentation you mentioned toothbrushes we actually don't sell toothbrushes well. (laughs) And I believe it's because a toothbrush is inside the medicine cabinet and not on on display. And I think that there's a psychology there that our customer wants to be regularly connected to these beautiful products in their everyday life. Mm. Probably just to add to that, and this is probably
2: not a surprise to you guys, outdoor has been unbelievable. I I think that just thinking about, and I'll go back to Habitat for a second, like the way we live, you know, these plants, and the biophilia, bringing plants indoors, everything that has to do with outdoor spaces Mm. seems to be the thing that people are really spending a lot of time thinking about. And it wasn't just a summer thing, it seems to be like an all year thing.
0: I think it's to the point of, like you said, it's all about being grounded in your space and feeling good and bringing the simple things on earth you want to bring into your house. That's why having a plant or a tree or just the sensibility of the rattan and the woven baskets that you guys have that you can have out, you can put your throws, or your kids' toys in there. And I think the way that all the pieces that you guys have... It's so functional and beautiful. So I, that makes so much sense that people want to spend and invest in pieces that they're going to see and, and use every day. Before we let you go, we like to do a crowdsourcing with our incredible audience. And they have asked us a couple questions. One of the things, and I'm so curious to how you answer this is how do you know what works best for your space before seeing it in its context, which I think is one of the hardest things when people make decisions when buying online specifically is like, how do you know what's going to work?
2: I look for something that's going to work in multiple ways so that I don't put the pressure on me that it only works in one location and it has this sort of high level of specificity. So I'm always looking for a motion first. I still love shopping for decor and design online, especially smaller pieces. I think that you can easily see how they fit on that David Design couch. But I know in the summertime, which is actually what we do with some of our Sphinx 10 cushions, I can take them and I'll put them out on the outdoor patio. And so I think that multiplicity of use is probably the thing that would be my answer because then I don't have to stress about it. I rarely, and this is not just a sustainability sort of pronouncement, I rarely return items. Mm -hmm. And I can actually say that there's something that's really cool about our audience. We have less than a 5% return rate from our customers on our site as well. They rarely return. So I think that they're thinking in a lot of the same ways that we are. This is really beautiful. It stands alone in its beauty, but then also you can import that beauty on a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And that escaray throw could land Mm -hmm. on the couch, but can also land on that wicker chair in the bedroom. I think that's really nice. And I think that's the Mm -hmm. way we recognize that a lot of our customers are shopping pretty similarly to that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really just buying stuff that you love and then you have it and then you can evolve with that over time. I think that's great. Okay, so last question is what are like the best tips in having a really beautiful space that's also practical and functional with pets and kids i deal with this all the time uh, i can't clients, speak for clients so but I it's will it's a struggle my
3: story i have a three and a half year old beagle mix at home who has pretty much a run in the whole place he sleeps in my bed i swear he never would but he does Babatree tree and it makes a day bed for dogs and it's a basket so all these baskets are his favorite place in the whole house it's absolutely stunning and he sleeps in this wicker basket that's wonderful and then all of his toys I also keep on display for me he's as much a part of the house uh, as anything I don't feel like the pet should have a different environment the home environment is his environment as well too and yeah so I think trying to create zones for pets is and For have all the kids, maybe I I don't have kids, so I can't speak to that. But in this particular case, yeah, I have my my, he's he has good decor all around him, he gets everything he wants.
0: No, I mean, that's why Mm -hmm. I love all your pieces the Botero vases that you have that we've got on the showroom. Just the multi use that could be used in the kitchen for like wooden spoons, it could be you could have put flowers in the vase, like everything that you do in the multi-use is what's so great is no matter if you have kids pets no matter what's going on the functionality and the beauty is meant to just make you live better and so it's just been such a treat to hear the brains behind Goody and just everything you guys stand for. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today because it's been such a pleasure to hear your design philosophy, your background, where you're going in the future and all the exciting things to come. Thanks so much for listening. The Expert Podcast is produced by Jessica Perez, Ali Alkiza and the Expert team with special thanks to Gabriel Savoir, Jake Hadeus Drew Ariana, and Studio Jake Arnold. Technical support by Sonic Union and Graham Carpenter. Our music is by Alex Weinstein. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And be sure to book a consultation with an expert, shop the best in home, and if you're a designer, apply to our trade program all at theexpert.com. See you next time.